So some of you have heard a part or portion of this uh, as far as with the, those in the seniors uh, dinner that we had a, almost a month ago. And we were looking at talents. We're going to apply this across the board because it applies across the board, not just to talents. How to make the most of anything in your life. How to make the most of anything in your life. This is a message that I shared with uh, missionaries last Sunday. We were focusing on the book of Colossians. Our retreat that I led in for the missionaries was on the book of Colossians. Um, This is a book that has been used by the Lord in my life last past year. And various times throughout, and verse 17 is kind of a summary passage, uh, especially of chapter 3. Uh, and so as we're turning there, I want you to take that notebook, or that note page that's in your bulletin, that is to Titus 2, but I want you to put on the category, on the top of it, two columns. Uh, on the left, I want you to put all the things in life you enjoy, just a few of them, maybe five or six. Five or six things you enjoy in life. And on the right-hand side, make a separate column. The five or six things you loathe in life. The things that you do not enjoy doing. The things that you find difficult to get momentum or energy, desire to do. We're going to look at everything in between. From the things you enjoy the most, to the things that you despise doing, and ask the question, how do I get the most out of these things in my life? And just to let you know, it's tied to Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about how it is tied to Jesus Christ to make the most of everything in your life. Colossians 3.17 is very short and sweet and right to the point. The book is written by Paul, written to the Colossae church, a church he's never met. He writes this from prison. Some of the themes in this book you'll see also in the book of Ephesians. In fact, It's very much the same, and he expounds upon it in the book of Ephesians. It's simply, in Colossians 1.11, the idea that Paul is is praying for these believers, and he prays this one thing, that they would know resurrection life. What does resurrection life look like? In its perseverance, in its joy, in its its patience and power in a believer's life. And in chapter 2, he warns them of some heresy that will rob them of the resurrection life of Christ. And in chapter 3, he tells them once again, this is what it looks like to have Christ in your life. And, and the resurrection life is Colossians uh, chapter 2, 6, simply that Christ is in us. This is the hope of glory. And so just as you receive Christ, so walk ye in him in Colossians 2, 6. And so what does that look like when Christ is in your life? How is it displayed? And he gives very specific ways it's shown that this resurrected life is shown, whether it's in regards to your treating your, your, your husband and your wife, to treating your children, to treating your parents, to treating your employees, to treating your employers. And it goes across the board of what this looks like. And it has this all-encompassing uh, idea of verse 17, 
Colossians 3. And so, in honor of this being God's word, let's stand as we read this. When Christ is in your life, you get life as it's intended to be. You get the most out of life, and it simply comes out in verse 17. As whatever you do, and whether it's word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. Okay? That's good. That's it. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's have a seat. But that's it. It's real simple, isn't it? In the 1500s, there was a debate in the science world and the church world, for that matter. What does the world revolve around? Or what does the universe revolve around? A man named Copernicus was saying, you know what? Most of you think that it revolves around the world, around the earth. It doesn't. The universe revolves around the sun. He was not the first one uh, to espouse that, but he was the first, only one to stick to it. Other people had bowed under the pressure of what other scientists and other church folks were saying and saying, you know, that just doesn't make sense. That's crazy talk. It's heresy. But Copernicus is saying, no, it, it revolves around the sun. And so the earth is constantly moving and all the other planets are, are moving and circling around the sun. Now, what if every planet said, you know what? I don't like revolving around the sun. Let's revolve around me. And every planet had that same thought, whether it was Saturn to, to Mars to earth to all the and everyone was fighting. All the planets was fighting for for everyone else to revolve around them. That's chaos, right? That, that's just, it wouldn't work. It, the whole universe as we know it would be destroyed. It would, would never work. It has to have a center. And so, when we read Colossians 3.17, it is telling us that all of life has a center. And it is Jesus. Sin comes into our life and says, that is silly. Everything should revolve around us. And so why is the world broken as it is? The world is broken as it is because every human being is born with this idea that everything revolves around them. And so when we read Colossians 3.17, it says, you know what? If you go that way, life will be antisocial. There will be constant struggles and wars and fights among you and there will be sin and diseases that happens because of this and so when when adam and eve decide to disobey god remember what was the appealing thing to eve that if she ate of this fruit then she will be like god and thought, oh that sounds good let's have everything revolve around me and that's the world we're born in so when colossians three seventeen gives us the power and gives us the motivation to say, let's instead let life revolve around Jesus Christ, then we are finally doing what God has made us to do. And things are going to fall in line, and are going to be greatly at odds with the world around us. So, Colossians 3.7, you got your list? You got your list of ten things now? You got five things that you enjoy, you got five things that you loathe. You wrote them down, right? You see it? All right. How do these things change when we see Christ at the center? So Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. It has this all-encompassing idea. It doesn't matter 
whatever it is, any action, any deed, it is connected in, to Jesus. So how do you make the most of your life, of everything and anything, everything and anything in your life? You see, first, you see its connection to Jesus. So when you look at those five things you enjoy, those five things that you loathe, that you hate, see how it's connected to Jesus. Now, how can I say that everything is connected to Jesus? Well, I, first of all, I'm not saying it. Scripture is saying it. Saying whatever you do, do in the name of Jesus. Do it with that motivation. How can that be? Well, Colossians chapter 1 uh, explains that to us. Verse 15, when he talks about Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. All things were created. Did you know the oil was created by Jesus? People and all of his problems were created and allowed by Jesus. Materials and things that we were built with are made by Jesus. The medicines that we use, the clothing that we use were made by Jesus. These things were made by him. Everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, were created by Jesus. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So if you work for the state, you work for something that God has allowed. He's given that authority. Uh, and so you work for Jesus. Wouldn't that be refreshing? To understand that we work for Jesus and not just for a state. And so we keep on going. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. We are still trying to figure out how it is that atoms are, are being held together when they're moving around. Where it's a centrical force is saying that electrons and protons and neutrons ought to be scattered. But instead they're together. And we can't explain the force that keeps them together. And it's given to us right here. Jesus is bringing all things together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In everything he might be preeminent. What are those things that you loathe? Is Jesus preeminent in those things? What are those things that you enjoy? Is Jesus preeminent in those things? He is to be preeminent in, notice what it said, all things in your job, in your family. In our church, in our country, he is to be preeminent in all things. Why? Well, verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All things exist for Jesus. At the root of every problem in your life is a spiritual problem. Every interrelationship problem at the root is a spiritual problem. And it's going to be tied to Jesus. Every problem. Why? Because the spiritual world made the physical world. Jesus is the king of all. And so it's all tied to him. Do you believe this? If you believe this, it fundamentally changes how you view every person, everything, and every problem. How do you know? Well, when you realize that every problem at its root is a spiritual problem, then you go for spiritual solutions, not just physical solutions. That's where prayer comes in handy. If we are not praying, then we do not believe that at the root... Of every problem is a spiritual problem. Simply put. And so. See his connection to Jesus. 
Let's just kind of experiment with that a little bit. All right? How is that the case? I was thinking Brother Donnie is right up here. I don't know if, if you know what Donnie does. Donnie uh, b- delivers oil. Natural gas? Oil. Oil. So every once in a while you might see him on a truck that says roads on it. That's Donnie. All right? How is that connected to Jesus? Well, what is he doing? He's delivering oil. Who made the oil? Jesus made the oil. What's the oil for? It's for the provision of the house. Jesus is the provider for us. And I think about how the scripture brings out oil. It reminds me of the Holy Spirit. How the oil is sim- symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And I think as Donnie is delivering the oil. And he's going from house to house. How Jesus wants to go from house to house to provide for people. And so I, look, look through your list. I, I, was, I was looking at some of you guys are builders. And you work in the building field. How is that connected to Jesus? These things are made by Jesus. And Jesus is the great builder for us. He's building us a house of salvation. He is the architect. He is the engineer. He is the nurse. He is the doctor. He is the teacher. He is the student. He is the one that is all of these things. And if we would just take the time to think about this, it's connected to Jesus. When you're retired, I know there's really no such thing, right? You just change work, all right? You just change work. You keep on working, but there will be a retirement someday, won't there? And it's Jesus. Teddy works with furniture. He sells furniture. How's that connected to Jesus? I think about the Bible, how one day Jesus sits down because the job is complete whether it's to to have a bed or have a chair to have a table these things point to jesus whether it's to say jesus has finished the salvation for us that we might have rest in him think about it for you who are stay at home and you're constantly working laundry how's that connected to jesus What are you doing? You're making things clean. Why? So they can get dirty again. Why do they keep getting dirty again? Because it's our nature. (laughs) It's futility. All right. The scripture says all things are vanity. It it keeps on. Why am I going to wash these clothes? Because it's going to get dirty again. I'm just going to keep on. It's a cycle. It never stops. You know. Just. What's going on? Jesus is the great cleansing one. As we are washing the clothes, it's symbolic. And one day Jesus is going to give me robes of righteousness without stains. How is it connected to Jesus? He is the cleansing one. Ruth Bell Graham was the one who had on her kitchen worship services done here three times a day. Providing meals. This is... God's work of providing for us. He is the bread. See his connection to Jesus. Whether you're working in the preschool and you're teaching young children. Jesus is the one who says, let the children come to me. It's connected to Jesus. Do you get this? Brother George is a lawyer. It's connected to Jesus. Right? (laughs) He is the one who is at our defense. Before the throne 
of God. What are the things you do in life? What's, what's those good things you enjoy? Whether it's, it's the hobbies of, of love. And service and ministering of love. There's never a point where you ever say, I've got enough love in my life. Why? Because love comes from God and we crave God. Whether it's a, a hobby of some things you enjoy or beauty. Of whether it's drawing things or painting things or making beautiful things. No one ever says to themselves, I've seen enough beauty in my life. I'm good. Everything else can be ugly. I'm all right. We don't say that. Why? Because beauty is of God. We love creativity. We love production. Why? Because this is of God. And so we want to be a part of things that are creative and productive. We love harmony. We love hearing choirs. And we love hearing being part of teams where we're working together to make something greater than all of us. Why? Because that is of God. We desire these things. Everything is connected to Jesus. And so take those things that you find tedious, find loathsome, that you do not desire, how is that connected to Jesus? The same way as the other things are. I was thinking about that. I came home uh, and uh, did a quick review of uh, my emails. And uh, one of them was a list of uh, receipts that had come in the last two weeks that I need to give a report to for the for the credit card. Uh, I... That's just not something I really enjoy. You know, okay, let me get this street, this street, do the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And all, all of us on staff understands that. How's that connected to Jesus? This is accountability. This is a part of a report of the finances of these things that have been provided by Jesus and by his church. And so this is a way to serve the Lord by doing this. And now it's not just, okay, where's that receipt at? And, and, and doing paperwork. Now it's, it's a way of ministry. Washing dishes. Changing diapers. A little loathsome. You think, man, when is he ever going to get potty trained? Just, this is of the Lord. This is washing someone's feet as Jesus washes our feet. And this child will never remember, thankfully, me changing their diapers. I'm glad I don't remember things like that. But it's serving the Lord. It's washing people's feet and serving the Lord in these things. And so what are those things that you find loathsome and tedious, the things you don't enjoy? See its connection to Jesus and how you can worship the Lord with that. So we keep on reading. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, know it's connected. Once, second, once understanding the connection, place Jesus as your motivation. Once understanding the connection with Jesus, then place that as your motivation. You know how it changes things to say, I'm washing, I'm washing clothes because this is what Jesus does for us. How much better motivation that is than just, oh man, there's a huge mound of laundry. And if I don't do it now, it'll never get done. I mean, really, does that produce worship? I mean, if you've got to do it, you might as well do it in worship. Instead of just, ah, oh, this is drudgery. So once you see the connection, 
then place Jesus as your motivation. Now, this is something you have to do. It just doesn't happen naturally. This is the life of Christ in us. The life of Christ. When Christ comes into our life and we have his Holy Spirit as a part of us, then we understand that, that everything we're to do, we're to do with thanksgiving. And we start finding conflict with things that we're doing that are drudgery and we can't give thanks. And we're saying, well, God, help me with this. The difference is that we can place it as his motivation. There was an, an ancient city of Babylon. Uh, that There's some of the ruins they found that where the bricks are in these ancient places, with every brick was a name of a different king who ruled in that time. And so the, the ruler would say, you know, I'm the ruler here, so let's make sure every brick has my name on it. And let's build buildings. What Jesus is saying is, take every day, every moment, let it be a brick unto the Lord. Put the name of Jesus on it. When you have that motivation, it changes your day it produces worship you know every day simply will go by so quickly and it will be just as wind as as dust in the wind as the song says as ecclesiastes says as life is a vapor but if you take this seemingly transient quickly passing activity that you have to do again the next day and you make the motivation jesus christ then it becomes eternal in its nature. It becomes worship and praise to God, which God greatly desires. So you have a choice. This day, you can just do things that will pass away and no one will ever remember. Or you can do something, the same activity, do it unto the Lord with His motivation for Him, and God remembers it. And it becomes as a sweet-smelling savor before our Lord and it becomes eternal. Which one will you do? This morning, as you're listening to this, did you know listening is an activity? Do you listen unto the Lord? Do you say, God, I want to hear from you and I want to worship you with what I hear? Or do I just say, okay, well, let's see how it's entertaining to me this morning. And let me just go on. You have a moment right now where it can be eternal if you direct it to the Lord. Or it could be just like that. Nothing to it. No remembrance, no effect. The difference is what you do with it. Once understanding the connection, place Jesus as your motivation. And then as we keep on reading, I want you to notice something at the end. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So seek a connection to Jesus. Once understanding the connection, place Jesus as your motivation. And then finally, never partake of anything in your life without thanksgiving. Never take part in it again without thanksgiving. So those five things that you find as drudgery, how on earth are you going to thank God for? Well, when you see his connection to Jesus, you've got something to thank God for. When you are serving the Lord through him, now you've got something to thank God for. Now, I love how it's phrased here. Give thanks to God, the Father, through him. Through who? Through Jesus. 
A lot of times we're always talking about just give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. But it's very clear. You give thanks to God through Jesus. Why? Because if Jesus is not involved, then you have nothing to thank God for. What do I mean? Well, I read in Romans chapter 8, verse 20. In fact, let's just turn there for a second. This will sound familiar to you. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. How do we love God? We love God because He first loved us. How do we know that? Jesus. If we don't have Jesus, we can't love God. If we cannot love God, then all things do not work together for good. Do you understand that? we don't have the love of God in our life, then all things do not work together for good. This promise applies only to those who have the love of God. For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So that tells me that if Jesus is in my life, everything is going to work for God's good. Which is the only good that matters. My good divorced from God's good is bad. In Jesus, all things. When your marriage is on the rocks, God can work that for good. When there is a miscarriage, God can work that for good. When there is a job unexpectedly ending, God can work that for good. When there is tension and problems within a relationship, God can work that for good. When there is cancer in your life, praise God, He can work that for good. When there is a dearly loved one, as our church has, has experienced this past week, who passes away, God can work that for good. Those who are called according to His purpose, for those he, whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, the good that he's talking about is being conformed to his image. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How do we know that God is for us? Through Jesus. That's how God is for us, through Jesus. If we don't have Jesus, then we don't have anything to thank God for. What do I mean by that? Well, all the good things in our life are not bringing us to God because we've rejected God through Jesus. So all these good things in life instead condemn us. Those five things you enjoy, those things you find as blessings in your life, if you do not have Jesus, do you understand that those five things are the closest you'll ever get to heaven with? That's the closest you'll ever know heaven with, with those five things. hope you enjoy but understand that if you don't have jesus christ those five things that you have enjoyed in life god has given to you to show you his goodness you've rejected his goodness through jesus christ and so instead of being blessings those five things condemn us and say look god was showing you his goodness through these things and instead you've rejected him and now when said and done before God, God says, look, I've shown you all these things and you still rejected me. 
the goodness you've known in your life on this earth now condemn you. But when you have Jesus, those five things that you loathe, listen, if you have Jesus, those five things you loathe are the closest to hell you'll ever get. <laughs> those things you loathe, hate, are the closest things to hell you'll ever be in Jesus Christ. So, Scripture says, as you live life, live it with the motivation of, of Jesus Christ. Give thanks to God, the Father, through Him, because it's through Jesus that God is for us. It's when Brother Phil has cancer. Say God is still for you and God is greater than cancer. He's going to use the cancer for his glory and for his good. Brother Harvey Jackson dies and passes away. Have his wife die. Say God is for you, Brother Harvey. He's working in these things to conform you into his image and these things are good. When we have dear ones that have had miscarriages and the pain of that to understand God is still for you. He's greater than these things. And God will work in these things to conform you to His image. You've not lost. You've not lost. When we hear, I heard one of the members saying that they had a flat tire and understand that God is still for you. And that in these things, when bad things happen, things don't work according to plan. God is still for you. And these things are going to be used to conform us to His image. Seek its connection to Jesus. Once you understand the connection, make Jesus your motivation. And then, never partake of anything without thanksgiving to God the Father through Him. Notice, I just want you to hear how prevalent this is in Colossians 3. You, you read this verse 17. Give thanks to God the Father through Him. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts, to which indeed you are called to one body, and be thankful. Chapter 4, verse 2. Can stead, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience and with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Let me just bring to your attention that when you're in the areas that you find distasteful, that you loathe, that you hate, that maybe are causing great pains in your life, and in that moment you give thanks to God the Father, you are declaring to God that Jesus is enough. 
that is not Jesus and good health that gives praise to God. It's not Jesus and a good marriage that gives praise to God. It's not Jesus and a good job that gives praise to God. It is just Jesus. And in the moment when you are filled with a lot of distaste and and, and you want to be in a different situation, in that moment you give thanks to God, you have the opportunity to worship Him in ways you could not before. It is an opportunity to praise Him through Jesus Christ. But you know that's only true if you have Jesus in your life. If we don't have Jesus in our life, then we're always looking for the next big thing, the next good thing that happens according to our desires. But you know what that sounds like? When we have that mindset, it's like saying, I'm the sinner, and everything else revolves around me and my desires. And when you do that, you are anti-God. And you've traded the one thing that should be the center of the universe of your life was something so much more shallow and inferior. You've traded God for yourself. You've exchanged the glory of God and He lifted up the glory of creation. Beware, lest God give you up to that mentality. So whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So the very key of this is, do you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord? God wants you to have this life. He wants you to enjoy life as He intended it. But will you surrender yourself to pick up Jesus? Will you surrender your complaints and gripes so you can pick up thanksgiving? It's a good trade. Let's pray.